Hello and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. My guest today is Tim Crew, CEO of Lynette Company, a generics manufacturer and contract development and manufacturing organization. This podcast is brought to you by Lynette Company in partnership with Pharma Forum. And stay tuned at the end of the conversation for a second bonus conversation with Tom Lewis, VP of Supply Chain and CDMO Management at Lynette. I'm going to be talking to Tom a little bit about what a CDMO is and why someone might want to use one and some of the trends right now in pharma manufacturing. Welcome to the show, Tim. Uh, Good uh, morning and thank you. We're going to talk a little bit about what Lynette does, and then we're going to talk about a very hot topic, important topic in the pharma world today, which is insulin. Um, So stay tuned for that conversation. But before we jump into it, Tim, tell me a little bit about yourself, about Lynette, and um, and what you guys uh, focus on and, and work on. Well, sure. Again, good morning. Thank you, uh, everyone, for listening in and appreciate you having me on the on the show the podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Tim. I'm a CEO of Lynette. I've been here about five years. I've spent a uh, better part of uh, 30 years in industry uh, with both multinational, domestic, international firms. Uh, Bruce spent in the military before that, but I've been in pharmaceutical uh, healthcare space for virtually all my life. Um, um, we here at Lynette um, are one of the last uh, Mohican standing, if I may say, uh, relative to um, generic manufacturing in, in the U.S. Uh, we are a U.S.-based firm. The team's all here. Uh, the company's been around for over uh, 70 years, founded in 1947. Uh, so we've been at this business as an organization for a very, very long time. And uh, proud to be uh, delivering high-quality, reliable medicines to uh, to our customers and their patients uh, for for all that time. So you said there's not too many uh, too many CDMOs left or companies like you. Why, why is that? What's the sort of background there, and and um, why are these organizations important to to the pharma industry? Well, as it relates to the generic component, CDMO has some uh, uh, other moving parts around it. But as it relates to medicines in the United States, uh, people are often somewhat surprised to understand that the vast majority of, of uh, drugs these days are actually uh, produced overseas. And they're produced overseas by companies many people haven't heard of, uh, generic manufacturers uh, at this point, because uh, of the affordability uh, of, of generic medicines, uh, represent close to 90% of what uh, patients consume today, right? 90% of the medicines brand companies are more well-known. They have wonderful medicines. Uh, we need Companies to eventually have the generic, uh, but they uh, serve much, much smaller patient populations at, at this point in time. Very specialized needs tend to be quite a bit more expensive. And so over the years, um, as generic manufacturers have competed for business uh, for uh, their customers and for their patients, uh, price uh, points have become very um, affordable. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a little harder on the manufacturing side, but it's good on the uh, public health side. The generic uh, medications have come down cost dramatically. As I said, 90% of those medicines now are, uh, you know, generic. Though people consume on a on a daily basis uh, are larger generic medications, um, and the um, the API, what's called the active pharmaceutical ingredient, the stuff that does the medicine work, uh, has long since moved to uh, overseas manufacturing, largely India and China, and uh, now today the uh, finished dose as well is largely coming out of, of, out of India. So um, uh, being a U.S. manufacturer, uh, we're proud. Uh, we have some advantages relative to speed and access and uh, our sort of cultural commitments to what we're trying to do. 
but uh, economically, it's challenging. So uh, we're proud of the fact that we continue to make a market uh, by providing high-quality, reliable medicines, and there's still uh, a willingness to uh, buy those, but you have to be competitive. So uh, again, one of the things that uh, you know, we think that Lynette offers is a, is a sort of a U.S.-based uh, manufacturer with a wonderful quality control record, a wonderful supply record, is that in areas where that supply and reliability is, is absolutely um, essential to the delivery of your business, um, uh, to where you want to reduce the, the concerns about potential compliance issues that you do see often uh, throughout the industry, uh, where you want to be able to work with a, um, a partner that is U.S.-based in a central time zone um, with all um, English-speaking uh, uh, sort of employees that just makes communication easier than some of the um, uh, suppliers out there, some of the CDMOs might have. We think we're a wonderful choice. We've been doing uh, CDMO work. Uh, with other uh, partners for a very long time. And uh, I would suggest if if you're looking for a CDMO partner, we, um, as a U.S.-based manufacturer, uh, continue uh, to you know find ways to lower our costs on the core generic business that we own. Uh, but uh, since so much of, of that business um, as an industry has moved overseas, uh, we are looking to position our capacities, our capabilities dedicated um, to people who are willing um, and, and see an appropriate return in their investment to work with us um, for all the strengths that we do have uh, that I just recently uh, tried to articulate. The local uh, access, strong communication, great culture, great history, supply reliability, supply of quality. Um, and it's important to us, right? Uh, as, as, as we uh, continue to evolve in the industry, um, as we continue to focus on bringing affordable insulin to the market, as we continue to sell our generic products, um, we have the space, the energy, the commitment, and the strong desire uh, to leverage these incredible strengths of our plant in, in, in Seymour and the team that is in Seymour and the culture that is in Seymour uh, to help our partners bring their important medicines uh, to, to the United States and, and, and beyond. Interesting. And, and those overseas moves are are um is there a kind of a, a quality control issue there? I think I just read a report the other day about a leukemia drug that was was coming out of companies in India um that were uh poor poor quality drugs and 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 um so so what's the advantage what are some of the advantages to keeping that uh manufacturing here in the US? Well, I want to be careful about not uh, painting things with too broad of a brush. Uh, we have an FDA out there today which approves medicines and is uh, part of the um, process on, on, on checking to make sure that generics are of, uh, of quality and reliability that are, are, are meeting government standards. Um, you know, there are very strict rules around what uh, needs to be done uh, to make a generic medicine. And, and the FDA generally, uh, before they approve a product and ongoing inspections, requires those products to be what's called equivalent, uh, that, you know, has the same sort of biopharmaceutical uh, effect. Um, indeed, as um, uh, products have moved overseas and, and, you know, some of the timing it takes uh, for the FDA uh, to get uh, caught up in inspections, especially after the recent uh, COVID uh, pandemic that we all uh, managed through, uh, there are often uh, findings that the FDA has to manage. And, you uh, um, uh, you know, if, if it's severe enough, they will, you know, curtail the importation of those medicines. Uh, but for sure, one of the things that we try to dif differentiate ourselves about uh, at Lynette is the sort of reliability and, and quality of our supply chain. And, and while 
there may be a, a supplier overseas that stumbles or many other overseas suppliers that can step in, right? But that does require uh, a change uh, uh, to the medication, what it looks like, uh, the conversations a patient might have with a pharmacist. Um, when you go to Lynette, we think that happens a whole lot less. You buy from Lynette, you can continue to buy from Lynette. Um, and you have less worry, we believe, uh, based on our compliance histories, that something might happen. Now, again, that's a forward-looking statement, and the FDA is the one who, who makes those determinations. But in our 70 years of operations, we've never had a warning letter, right? We've had, you know, observations, as any uh, organization would do. Uh, but our compliance record, our quality record is really a stellar. And I, I do think in times of uncertainty, um, uh, customers and patients will find some solace and uh, help us make a market in the medicines that we provide. So let's talk about insulin a little bit. Obviously, as we're talking about generics and we're talking about the United States market, insulin is an area where having uh, more supply available, it could be hugely important because we are seeing these reports of outrageous prices, of, of care rationing, um, uh, uh, really troubling uh, things around this kind of life-saving, irreplaceable medication. So first of all, just to set the stage a little bit, um, give me some of the kind of basic grounding on insulin and, and what it is that makes it so expensive and, and has kept the market from responding, uh, you know, appropriately to, to the demand and, and keeping the price low. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a great question. There's a lot of moving parts around um, uh, delivery of uh, diabetes healthcare and insulin in particular. Um, it's a very large market. Um, 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 you know, there, there's a lot of patients um, on uh, diabetic med medications, including insulin. It's one of the largest volume products uh, that we have uh, in the United States. And, and, you know, the complexity of our healthcare chain and how those products are delivered creates some of the distortions you reference. But let's start with the fact that insulin has been around for a very, very long time. Um, and, and, and one of the unique uh, elements of insulin, it, it creates frustration that it's been around so long and yet the perceived pricing uh, is, is, is quite high. Um, but uh, insulin, unlike a lot of drugs, uh, is, is, is fairly high dosing. It's for a long period of time, and, and, and a lot of patients are on it. So if you think about um, um, an insulin, and these are now, by the way, are moving away from traditional generics to what's called biosimilars, right, a different sort of, uh, of product. It's not a, a regular generic. It's not an ANDA where the FDA establishes uh, bioequivalents. It is more about establishing biosimilarity. These are kind of technical sort of orientations to it, but I just want to distinguish it. It's a bit different from a, um, from a normal generic. Uh, but that product that is supplied to the United States and across the globe, uh, if you think about the number of patients and the amount of product they take, it's, it's literally what we would call metric tons. It's a little bit of a different sort of nuance to healthcare, but it's metric tons of product, very large scale. Uh, whereas many of the other biologics you hear about, many of the very important life-saving and life-enhancing biologics you'll often people hear speak to, which are actually quite a bit more expensive, by the way, uh, on average, um, those products are kilograms of, of volume. So if your patients are so small volume, uh, the, the manufacturing side of, of the supply of that medicine is a wholly different world. You need massive, large infrastructure to supply insulin. You need high technology, you need expensive equipment, you need um, all sorts of uh, specialized capabilities to make these other biologics, but you don't need metric tons. And that really changes the, the nature of the competitive environment uh, because, for example, uh, to make uh, insulin drug substance, you need to spend literally hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars uh, for the manufacturing infrastructure uh, to uh, produce uh, that product. 
Um, and, and, and that is just not the level and scale that you would normally see in a biologic. And oh, by the way, when you make insulin because of the nature of that product, that's all you can make in the plant. A lot of other plants can make multiple products uh, in, in that plant and leverage the expense of that plant, which is also, by the way, much smaller. So that's a bit of a long-winded uh, explanation for why there has been fewer people in the market over the years. The, the large um, uh, branded companies that are you know, at the hallmark, of the, the, the vanguard of, 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 of this uh, uh, medicine have invested hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's a pretty big barrier uh, relative to coming in if you're going to be a, a third or a fourth supplier, right? Um, that's really useful context because so often people talk about it as if it's just that, you know, people are, are gouging the price to make more money. But really, it is an expensive thing to manufacture and a very kind of specific project to, to be in the business. Well, I want to divide it, but that's absolutely true. And I, I'm talking first of all that that context was really focused on the competitive context, what brings in more people that drives down price further, right? The basic economic beauty of the capitalistic system, which we still operate inside the healthcare worlds, um, is more providers typically will drive down costs, right? Supply is fixed. As, as soon as supply goes up and demand is fixed, you know, price will go down. Right? That's a basic economic factor. And at the end of the day, there has been few new entrants because of this scale of the activity. Um, now, moving to the um, uh, the pricing side, um, and absolutely large investments are required. But some of those investments were made many, many, many decades ago by some of the current suppliers. And if you start thinking about the sort of marginal costs <laughs> uh, to uh, to the to supply price in the market, that's not quite the same thing. I would suspect much of the original capital investment, if you've been making insulin for 30 or 40 years, my father's a diabetic and he passed away many years ago <laughs> um, at, a, at a ripe old age. So insulin's been around for a long time. And, and the pricing dynamic here is uh, a little bit more tied to how things go to market. And it's a it's not a, I don't want to say a complex system, but it's a cumbersome system. And as you know, people have health care. A lot of folks have insurance. That insurance company may say you should buy from a, uh, a very specific um, uh, product. There's multiple types of, for example, insulin glargine, one of our big products that we're uh, working on uh, bringing to market. Um, but typically, your insurance company, if you go to the pharmacy, your doctor says take insulin glargine, whether you get a product from brand company A or brand company B, or generic biosimilar company C has left with the with the with that health company's pharmacy benefit manager says. So there there's all sorts of uh, intermediaries between what the physician writes <laughs> and what you receive as a patient, and that creates all these sort of pricing distortions. If you are a a a, a person who doesn't have insurance, uh, you may not benefit from some of the rebates that go on in the system, right? The, between the PBM and the and the insurer and the employer, right? That you may your, your perceived price, and, and when you hear the president speak to it on 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 uh, you know State of the Union addresses, he's talking about sort of a list pricing. You get exposed, and it's a real problem in the industry that if you don't have insurance, you typically are exposed to much higher prices than if you have a copay through your insurance uh, company. And a lot of the discussions here are about making the cost of insulin uh, more closer to that net pricing that exists in the market. You should go on GoodRx if you are an insulin subscriber and make sure that you're not paying any more than you see on that sort of adjudicated, uh, available to everybody, modern, uh, 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 you know, connected software orientation, right? That's always, always a bit of a, a check. 
Um, but what we're trying to do is, as we have had our investments uh, with a partner, uh, by the way, an overseas partner um, who uh, has built a brand new plant, is looking for more transparency uh, to make sure that our our insulin as we come to market, um, people understand what we're selling it for um, and can make an informed decision what they have to pay for. There's obviously a cost to go from a manufacturer to a distribution channel to a person who dispenses the product and all the folks who support that all need to make some level of profit, right, to, to continue to, to provide those sort of medicines. But we hope that all of the sort of confusion that exists around in the market today between how products come uh, to market uh, is uh, perhaps um, ameliorated um, as as more uh, biosimilar providers such as ourselves bring that product to market and work with a variety of entities, not just uh, the PBMs and the insurers, but also direct purchasers. A lot of states are looking to provide insulin for their patients and, and working with them in a more transparent ways uh, so that affordability is, is, is more transparent, more accessible. We're obviously looking to take um, uh, our ability to supply patients in that marketplace, and we think everybody wins. So I did read a report when I was preparing for this interview that, that Lynette was in conversations with the state of Michigan about opening up manufacturing facilities, possibly in the state. Um, what are some of the things you guys are working on to address this problem and, and you know to try to open up this market a little bit? Well, uh, I need to be respectful of any conversations with any potential partner over time about what exactly their plans are. Michigan has been um, um, uh, more careful about what they put out in the public market. Certainly, California uh, has been more vocal um, about some of their plans. And again, you know, these things take time. They continue to evolve. Um, I, I do think uh, if you recollect back to my um, original conversation that the drug substance that API, the active pharmaceutical agreement, we call it the flower of the bread, right, that uh, makes uh, the, the drug work. That is tied to really, really large infrastructure. Um, and the plants that typically you hear being talked about in the United States are typically more on the finishing side. You know, they're taking that drug substance and putting it in a pen or putting it in a vial. And that doesn't necessarily change the dynamic of the supply, right? The supply is really about that drug substance, that very large, massive, hundreds of millions of dollars in infrastructure. And there's a lot of companies that are talking about helping, right? And they all can be a part of the solution. Uh, but we think at the end of the day, you know, the economic engine, um, the economic supply side of insulin is that drug substance. And then there's a bunch of rules in the United States about the plant and the drug substance and the device um, and, and the finishing activities, how those are all tied together. But the point of what, uh, you know, what you hear uh, the state saying is we would like to be a direct purchaser. That's a big change, right? They typically do not uh, directly purchase um, as a state um, pharmaceuticals or uh, experiments and trials uh, out there. But if they become a direct purchaser, you know, they can decide to publish what they paid for it, and then people can make decisions. But it's a complicated answer. And all those other of folks in the supply chain, those pharmacies, those insurers, those PBMs, they do a great job of getting a lot of product out in the market. It is, you know, broadly accessible. People do have uh, a lot of access, but the cost can be um, uh, prohibitive for some folks. We need to solve those issues, make that product more accessible. Um, many uh, uh, brand companies do have specialized programs to help. Um, um, many states are looking to have direct engagements to help. We want to be a part of that solution. I, I think there's, you know, the, the market works pretty well, but it needs to work better. And particularly for those folks, as you talked about earlier, who feel a need to ration or feel an inability to afford. 
uh, that should be solvable because the medicine is, you know, even at the end of the day, you know, so many generics at least are are not expensive in terms of the manufacturing cost and the delivery cost. These are be what people pay every day for for medicines, right? I mean, I, I think um, a little offline, uh, but uh, Amazon uh, uh, has recently announced a program where many, 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 many drugs, generic drugs, not insulin, uh, but many, many generic drugs are going to be made um, affordable. Now, again, they're not in everybody's community, right? A pharmacy, you need to talk sometimes to the pharmacy. You need that sort of healthcare support. There's a lot of services. It's very important to remind my major customers do a wonderful job of making product affordable um, and giving it accessible. Um, but there are disruptions in the market. There are distortions in the market. And insulin, we think, is one of those spaces. Because so many people have it. Um, uh, they use so much of it. They eat it for their entire lives. And, and, and their accessibility and affordability needs to be improved upon. And you're hearing work in that space. It's not a, it, we should not be brushing too broad of a brush amongst all the wonderful things our customers do, all the wonderful things our pharmacists do, um, all the wonderful thing that healthcare in the United States provides. It's, I think it's one of the best systems in the world, bar none. But it has distortions. And we're trying to solve that on the insulin side. So tell me about what Lynette is doing in this space in terms of your products, your generic insulin. Um, how is it? Is there anything you're working on right now? And, and how is your product sort of different than the than the other insulins? How, how do you kind of keep that uh, the price down relative to um the, I guess the brand, the brand products. Well, first of all, again, this is not a generic. This is called a biosimilar, and it's a it's a nuance, but it's an important nuance because it does affect how the approval uh, processes and the FDA work requirements and, and how you compete uh, in the market uh, downstream. Uh, but we fundamentally have uh, uh, two uh, very public development programs with our partner. Uh, the first is Insulin Glargine. Uh, that product, if you look at the branded companies, organizations. Um, yeah, something like two billion dollars of, of in market sales, and, and not that you know dollars is <laughs> how you intersect with uh, uh, with patient need and, and healthcare, but it's a market of the size. It's a large market, and if you look at some of the third party um, uh, calculations of the value, which is more about the wholesale list price uh, and other sorts of uh, measures, uh, there are companies out there um, that would say that the market on the list price is you know for that product close to to nine billion dollars. The difference between the nine billion and the two billion is all the sort of complexities of our system that people are looking to try to uh, try to try to resolve what the manufacturer makes and what the channel needs and and what gets lost in the process and the trade-offs between access and 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 patient care. Um, so we're developing um, uh, insulin glargine. We've uh, finished a clinical trial. Uh, we've uh, indicated that we expect to be following uh, this product mid-year. A uh, lot of support uh, in industry or FDA uh, to take a, a close look. We need to pass their standards, but we'll think we'll get a, a, a quick look. These products typically do uh, well. The nature of a biologic, you know, you're not mixing chemicals in a plant per se. You're you're recreating a, a cell line that produces insulin, which the bodies have done for eons, centuries at least. Um, and so the probability of, of success, we believe, is higher than typical. It's a forward-looking statement, I have to say, but you know, we are optimistic um, that by um, uh, mid-year next year, we'd be bringing this insulin to market. And from there, you know, let the good old American capitalistic market inside the healthcare ecosystem take place. We'll be an additional supplier. We'll be competing for business. We'll take an approach that's a little bit more visible and accessible and direct purchasing because we think that's a better place for us uh, to uh, compete. Um, it's where there's more of a need in the market uh, uh, to provide insulins. 
and we're optimistic that we'll get uh, um, uh, an impact uh, in terms of what we do as a as a as a corporate organization, while at the same time uh, having that great effect on affordable uh, access to insulin in the marketplace more generally. Right, because the re- I mean, you mentioned that these big companies, uh, their their marginal prices are not that high. So, in theory, one of the reasons their their prices list prices are high is because they can be right. There's not, there's not that many suppliers. So, so, uh, so the idea is that putting more affordable insulin in the market could lead to everyone lowering their prices in order to sort of compete for the customers available. Right. I, I don't want to, you know, make a commentary on <laughs> their marginal pricing approaches or their, their costs of doing business that, that, you know, that's, that's, that's their market, but the fundamental, economics of the American economy has always been supply and demand. And while there are lots of moving parts in that that make it not a pure commoditized market for a whole bunch of good reasons, uh, for sure, I believe um, more supply uh, will make people more energetic about finding ways to reduce their costs uh, if that is their impediment uh, to help um, uh, achieve their degrees of supply. And we're very careful about criticizing other people's market models. They have a variety of, uh, of approaches to what they do, but uh, it is a foundation of our economy. Um, it's a foundation of our political and economic system uh, that if there's more supply um, coming into market, there's a chance to create more affordability. And that's certainly what we believe in. That's certainly what we're committed to. And we believe we're structured uh, to do that, given the fact that it'll be a, a new plant, it'll be an efficient plant, it's a dedicated plant, um, and it's using the latest uh, of uh, all the things that avail yourselves to the newest technology and help reduce the, uh, reduce uh, uh, costs. Uh, the plant does supply uh, uh, one other market um, in, in China, um, but uh, uh, that's actually good for the capacity uh, to uh, keep uh, what we think uh, to be affordable. It doesn't mean it's free. Right. It doesn't mean that it uh, doesn't have a cost. These are technologies or syringes. And there are there are drug substance and there's moving product around. Uh, but we think we can help make it more affordable. So one more question before we wrap up. Um, and I appreciate this may not be fully in your wheelhouse. So so feel free to to demur. But I know there's a lot of research happening in different areas around insulin uh, that that could kind of change the game. I mean, it's it's a hundred years old. It hasn't changed a whole lot in that time. But people are looking at closed loop systems that could could make there be less insulin required for a patient, longer lasting formulations, more shelf stable formulations. Um, there's even kind of stem cell research into that that could completely obsolete insulin. Uh, what what are you looking at as you sort of look ahead to the farther future of this space? And um, you know what what could these conversations look like in, in 10 or 20 years? Well, it's a great question. And obviously to start with you know, anything that improves the healthcare, you know, for people, even if it creates distortions of people providing the healthcare that preceded it uh, is a great thing for the country and for patients. Uh, there is a ton of research around um, insulin. None of um, uh, the therapies today are what we call, call really disease modifying. You know, they, they really just replace insulin. The body is no longer uh, producing. So a lot of these other sorts of, uh, um, more advanced uh, technologies are around trying to get the body to do what it should do naturally that it has stopped doing for whatever reasons. Other of these activities are about making it perhaps less burdensome for the care, the daily injections that are typically associated with insulin, that you can just spread those out or 
make it less uh, needle-oriented, as the case may be. Um, and there'll be work on that because it's a large market. There's a large patient need, and I, I think it'll be tremendous. Again, you know, as a, as a person who had a diabetic member of the family, you know, uh, that would be a good thing, and, and, and that's great. I don't think, however, um, that that cavalry is going to be showing up in, in the near term, right? Um, some of these uh, uh, therapies you see, they've had fairly high um, um, utilization of other sort of anti-immunosuppressant uh, um, agents in conjunction with that therapy. Um, those anti-immunosuppressant um, uh, agents are quite expensive vis-a-vis the actual cost of insulin. Again, you got to remember that um, a lot of patients, not all patients, and that's the problem here, but a lot of patients can get uh, their insulin for a copay, right? There's a lot of people who do, right? It's important to remember that the vast majority of the country uh, who are diabetics do have access. Uh, the conversation about the few who do not um, are likely not to be solved by a very rare, very expensive um, a new insulin therapy, either from a delivery perspective or from a disease modification. I think the solution to insulin uh, for the folks who are most struggling with access is probably more competition on the so-called older forms of therapy, which are actually very effective. It's important to remember diabetics have a nice long lifespan if they stick to their therapies and they pay attention uh, to what their physicians uh, uh, direct them uh, to do. And so I think the solution on the affordability is clearly on competition, um, um, legislation, um, uh, political uh, will on on the uh, on the on the delivery side for those portions of the population who can't get it, and then for the future of insulin, the, the modification, all the wonderful research that again is important, right? The innovation uh, that the pharmaceutical industry, more on the brand side, has driven is laudable. And it is it is it is something that deserves a, an economic return, but near term, I I, I think those therapies um, under most uh, uh, people's uh, guidance um, are likely to have uh, a, a significant impact near term on some of the aspirations that we are looking to do, and even more or less likely to have an effect on the near term affordability issues. A decade from now, uh, who knows? Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, absolutely so, uh, but not but not today. Going back to the CDMO side of the business, can you tell me a little bit about what your average or ideal partner looks like? Who are you working with in terms of size and profile and product specialization and things like that? Well, we the, our, our partnerships run the gamut of, of scale and size and orientation. Clearly, um, a lot of the larger organizations have their own capabilities, right? Have their own plant infrastructure. I think typically... Um, is you know some of the more mid-sized or, or more targeted firms that don't have all the infrastructure necessary uh, to bring their great development work, to bring their good healthcare solutions to market. Um, we have the full suite, right? It's not just about making something. It is about the technical transfer of what's made in the lab into a plant. There's a whole team uh, built around that in our organization. We've had a huge experience as we've moved products from one plant to another or into our Seamer plant uh, in doing that. We do it very quickly. I've worked for some very large organizations in my life, uh, and I don't know of a firm who's been more adept, more quick um, about the speed at which we operate, right? So there is a size that we have, which is um, mid-sized to smaller, quite frankly, um, that I think is a sort of speed and energy and entrepreneurism uh, that allows a partner that's looking for uh, a quick response and might need more than simply uh, uh punching out tablets, as it were, um, uh, in, in a plant. We can support them on, on the clinical side. We can support them on the, 
on the development side, we can support them on the regulatory side, we can support them on the quality side, and we can certainly support them on the manufacturing side. And since our whole organization sees the importance of, of this leverage of our skills and capabilities, a differentiated leverage and skill vis-a-vis um, some of the broader oral generic markets in which we have competed, um, there, is a, there is a priority around delivering those support. And I think, again, as I say, forget what I'm saying <laughs> um, or what you might read on the website. Um, talk to one of our partners, and I think they'll be the the, the, the strongest advocate, as long as we don't slow down their supply, <laughs> to uh, uh, to uh, coming on, on board with uh, the services we offer. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. It's been great to have you on the show and great to chat with you. Thanks for having me as well. Have yourself a great afternoon. Bye-bye. I'm now joined by Tom Lewis, Vice President of Supply Chain and CDMO Management at Lynette Company. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about CDMOs um, and and what Lynette does. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit with Tim. We're going to get into it with Tom and really understand sort of why uh, someone might choose to work with a contract development and manufacturing company and, and what some of the, the advantages are um, and kind of uh, some of the trends right now around, around CDMOs uh, in, in 2023. So thanks for joining me, Tom. Sure. So give us kind of the, the, the background overview here of, of um, you know, what is, what is a CDMO and why now is, is a good time to sort of be working with one? What are some of the things you bring to the table in this current um, market and, and industry environment? Sure. Just a little background. So Lynette, Lynette Pharmaceutical in general has always, I think most, most, organizations and, and people recognize Lynette as, as a leader in generic pharmaceutical manufacturing. But in the prior years, and Lynette's been around for over, over 70 years, and in the, the a lot of individuals aren't aware, there is a component of Lynette's business where we are contract manufacturing for other entities, and that's the CDMO arena. This has been a fairly integral part of Lynette's business over the, the last 20 to 30 years. And it's an area that Lynette would like to concentrate on more. The primary purpose for Lynette concentrating on this now is we see a, a, a significant demand for contract manufacturing opportunities picking up in the United States with smaller molecule products versus some of the larger marketed products from the past. That makes sense, right? Because this is such an, a huge area of... Um area, such a great period of innovation in pharma. There's so much you can do preclinically with computers now that doesn't require a ton of overhead. So you can have a small pharma with a few people in an office uh, or co-working space or something. But then when it gets time to get into the clinical stuff and to do the manufacturing and you actually need to all of those facilities and resources uh, to, to actually create a drug or a biologic, that's... Um, that's something that, you know, you might not have the resources to build from scratch or, or you might not be at a point where it makes sense to invest those resources, right? That's right. I think a lot of the opportunities that we're seeing in new drug product applications aren't necessarily with the large branded companies any longer. They're, they're with these smaller entities who have a small uh, footprint established. They might have some scientists and obviously individuals from from cells and 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 the business aspect, but they don't have a manufacturing facility and they don't have a, a technical service department. And so they've 
they they have this novel idea and 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 essentially it's running through trials in, in multiple clinics and they get to a stage where everything is going well and and that's where Lynette comes in. They they approach companies such as Lynette and try to bring us on board with our expertise to help them get it get their product to the next stage, and that's commercialization. The kicker is that it pharma manufacturing is is quite intricate and complex compared to say consumer device manufacturing, especially as we get into these novel therapies. I mean, I was at JP Morgan in January. There was a lot of conversation about how important manufacturing is around like cell and gene therapies and and how you know much that it can affect the the viability of of your product. So how do you kind of assure that you're really delivering a, a quality uh, manufacturing operation, that you're delivering transparency into it so people have kind of confidence that what you're creating is is really kind of what, what they designed? I think, first of all, from our perspective, one of the advantages we have is around the quality and the deliverability of, of our particular uh, manufacturing site. Again, Lynette's manufacturing side has been delivering product to the market for over 70 years. We have a stellar quality background with, with no significant 483s. And we've been producing hundreds of different types of novel new products in the period of time that we've been, been in business. And so with that background uh, and history that we have, I think it attracts opportunity. A lot of these entities who have these new drug applications, that's what they're looking for. And, and that's what we bring to the table. So there's a lot of variability in, um, obviously, how how drugs do, what the volume is, depending on the, the patient group size and what kind of revenues you can expect. So how do you do, how do you negotiate with the companies you work with? Is it sort of a cost sharing um, it, or is it like a flat rate? Um, you know, how do you negotiate that market? So it, it all, it's all custom. It depends on what the, what the potential customer is looking for. In some cases, uh, Lynette actually may own an ANDA for which a, a customer sees an opportunity to explore another indication for. And in those cases, it might be a cost sharing arrangement. In most of the cases, though, in CDMO, the customer that's approaching companies like Lynette for CDMO services, that's their NDA, that's their application. And in those cases, it's, it's cost plus for most situations, unless there's some other service that we can provide for them, regulatory service, or particularly our, our strengths are in, in distribution as well maybe a 3PL services or or outside of the normal manufacturing chain. So what, one more question. What what else haven't we talked about yet that, that you think is really important or interesting about um, Lynette or about CDMOs? Um, yeah, what's, what's sort of on your mind when you think about the trends in 2023? Sure. I think when you're looking at trends in 2023 as it relates to contract manufacturing, I think the the key strengths, what what sets Lynette above some of our competitors in the CDMO world are, first of all, our size. We're not as large as some of the significant players in the CDMO realm, and therefore we're quicker to respond where our attention to our customer 
is more hands-on. And our capabilities, although not unique, solid oil dose manufacturing, for example, or liquid manufacturing is, is not unique. There are a lot of sites in the U.S. who can manufacture those type of drug products. What does make us unique, though, is we have one location with all of those available platforms inside them, including distribution and 3PL and laboratories. They're all in one one place versus some of our competitors. They're in, in multiple sites, which delays how quickly a customer can get their product to market. So there's just efficiencies in, in how you're organized. and Yeah, yeah, I would say to coin the phrase, it's been used many, many times, we're, we're lean and mean. We have demonstrated our flexibility and how quick we can get products to market. And the, the customer base we currently have through CDMO has come back to us time and time again uh, for, for more products. And we want to offer those services to, to new clients as well. Great. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for joining us on the podcast and giving us a, a grounding in this. We'll also have an article coming out soon. It's an interview with Tom on this topic, so you can learn more. Uh, and we'll add a link uh, to that uh, whenever they're both up on the website. But really appreciate your time. And I, I hope folks will uh, will check out Lynette's website to learn a little more about what you do if they're interested. Okay, thank you. That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins and to follow us on Twitter at at Pharma Forum. Thanks for listening. Thank you.